Sometimes you choose courage, and at other times it's forced upon you. Courage Unraveled is a podcast series where you get to listen to insights, discussions, conversations, and stories from people from all walks of life. You'll be served with dollops of courage, resilience, and strength here. So come along and be educated and inspired. You just may find new ways to flex your own courage muscle. My name is Sana Turnock, and I'm your host. Hello, and welcome to Courage Unraveled. I'm Sana Turnock, your podcast host. In 2014, Deb Halliburton's life took a challenging detour as her husband Brad was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumour. Deb shares her experience during this time and how she has since changed as a person. Deb was staring fear in the face and had to muster her courage as she navigated being a carer and a mum. She also became a business owner. The Good Egg Cafe in Busselton, Western Australia is Deb's second home. It's a real privilege to be able to share these inspiring podcasts of courage with you. The work undertaken takes many hours to put together and is self-funded. You can support the podcast series by becoming a patron and receiving access to patron-only specials and exclusives. Choose the tier that suits you. The Courage Journal is a fantastic adjunct to these podcast stories. Do you want to start flexing your own courage muscle? Then grab your very own journal. Visit courageunraveled.com to find out more about the journal and how you can become a Courage Unraveled patron. Let's hear Deb's experience. I caught up with her by phone. Hi, Deb, and welcome to Courage Unraveled. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for having me. Oh, a real pleasure. All right, let's get started. You run the Good Egg Cafe in Bustleton in Western Australia. If you were to walk through the front entrance, describe to the listener what they'd be seeing. It's quite deceiving from the front. It's like this normal kind of commercial building. I watch people as they come into the cafe for the first time. I might stand back and take it all in with a split level. A lot of raw materials used, a lot of uh, recycled bricks, lots of plants everywhere, a big open kitchen, and it's always so busy. And people just kind of stand there and take it all in to start with and then sit down and enjoy the space. And then upstairs you've got the office space. Yeah, upstairs is an office space and just a bit of a quieter area as well, other business meetings, people study, and just a different use up there. Tell the listeners why you actually started it. I lost my husband just over three years ago. In 2014, Melbourne Cup Day actually, he had his first little symptom of a little bit of tingliness uh, in the side of his face and down his arm and leg. After a couple of weeks of, of doing tests with the doctors, it was found out that he had a um, terminal brain cancer. So, of course, complete shock. He was a fit and healthy 43-year-old. So we had to live with that for a couple of years and dealing with the ins and outs of having a terminal illness. When Brad first got sick, we changed our diet completely. He was given the diagnosis of having a brain tumour. It was inoperable. There was nothing we could do, kind of sit and watch and wait. So we were very focused on the food that we ate. That was a lot of focus throughout his illness. Six months before he passed, then me and a friend were talking and wanted to have um, a business together. We thought about doing a cafe. When Brad's disease finally took over and, um, as I said, he passed away just over three years ago, I fell apart for about three or four months and then pulled myself together and decided to work on this idea of opening a business. Just before his year anniversary, we opened the 
good egg cafe. Mm. Um, for me, it's a tribute to Brad. Brad used to call everyone a good egg when he was sick. So that's where the name came from. And we donate 5% of all our profits towards brain cancer research. When you get people coming in, what is it like when they hear about that story? And initially, people just tear up. You hear in the story. It touches people's hearts. You tell that story. People find it quite inspirational that I've kind of gone ahead and done something that means a lot to me. And as I said, it's more than a business. It's uh, a place where I can make a difference, raise some funds for brain cancer research, and more so than that. Let's go back to Brad for a minute. You spoke about him having initial tingling sensations. Mm. Was that the prompter for going to visit a medical practitioner? Brad was a very healthy guy, um, no medical issues. He he was at basketball with um, my young son at basketball training. He just felt a bit of tingling in his face and his arm and his leg. A bit strange. Over the coming uh, week, it became frequent, about five or six times a day. And he thought he initially might have had a bit of a pinched nerve in his neck, so he went to the doctors, they had a bit of a look and, and said, yeah, no worries, go see the pyro, so he went and, and did that, and came back kind of still getting these little weird sensations, so they booked him in for a CT scan, he went and had the scan, went back to the doctors, it all appeared clear, there was nothing there, and they still, the episodes hadn't still cleared up, so the doctor okay, we'll look a little bit deeper, we'll we'll do an MRI and look a little deeper into your brain. So we did the other scan and got called back in. They found a a brain tumour in his left temporal lobe, deep within his brain. We went there completely shocked and fully wasn't expecting it, but the doctor seemed quite, okay, that's okay, you know, you have this tumour, go home, pack your bag, we'll send you off to Perth and probably get you operated on and everything will be fine. So we came back, dealing with the news and organising our children and, Probably two hours later, the doctors called and said, look, I've consulted with the people in Perth. It's actually inoperable. There's nothing we can do. Basically, you've got right. this going uh, We'll just watch and wait and, and see what happens. That was what the medical profession said. Earlier on, yeah. you spoke about diet in general. Did you then start incorporating a change of diet for Brad? You're left with this news that you have a brain tumour, watch, wait, see, here go. The news completely blows you out of order. So what can we do? Instead of sitting around waiting, we looked at our diet. So that was milk cup days. We changed our diet. What these little um, tingling sensations were were little partial seizures. So we put them on medication for that. So they tended to go. But over the next few weeks, um, we noticed that Brad got uh, very lethargic. No headaches or anything, but just a little bit nauseous in his stomach. These, after Christmas, became a lot more frequent. At the end of January, we went back to the doctor and something's not right, I think we need to have another scan. So they've done another scan and this tumour had doubled in size within eight weeks. Right. Um, it was at the stage where we could actually have a small operation to just get a sample, a sample from it just to see what we were dealing with. At the end of January um, 2015, when it was supposedly a half an hour operation, four hours later the, he'd come out with a tiny bit of a sample and waited two weeks for the results. He had a glioblastoma multiform, which is the most aggressive type of brain cancer that you can have. He was given 6 to 12 months to live. After that operation? After that, yeah, after the biopsy. Then, uh, obviously, you're palliative and you're doing treatment for the hope of it prolonging your life, but you're not doing treatment to to cure yourself because you never will with this type of cancer. What was Brad like during this time as things progressed? He was 
somebody that's quite depressed and, and down on the world, it, it makes things a lot harder. But when you're around somebody like him, there was always music in the house, there was always laughter, um, the times that he wasn't sleeping or tired, and we were kind of trying to live as much as we could in that short uh, space of time. He, he was a good egg. <laughs> <laughs> yep, certainly. You have three kids. How did you navigate being a mum while you were still caring for Brad? I had a lot of help. I had a lot of family. Um, the community rallied around us a lot. We had a, a big friends group down here. Brad was quite popular and involved um, in sporting groups. He was the first one to put his hand up to help anyone else. When Brad was diagnosed in that November, um, our friends felt quite useless about what they could do. So they all came together and like, okay, we're going to do a fundraiser for you. We're going to call it Brad's Big Bash. And Brad was like, oh, who's going to want to come? About five months after his diagnosis, all our friends came together and had a great big bash. We had about 300 people there. And in one night, our community raised $80,000 for us. Wow. That's phenomenal. Huge. He just couldn't believe it. But I'm like, this is the testament to the person you are. You, you give out that and that's what you get back tenfold. With that money, I was able to leave work and I was able to care for him. I wasn't able to drive as well, so I was happy all the driving. At the time, our children were, uh, I think, 5, 12, 17. Big gaps between them and, and definitely um, had to deal with it in different ways. Our eldest daughter uh, took it in a stride but didn't try to kind of ignore what was happening. And looking back now, I think there are definitely times that she wished she would have had that extra time with her dad here and there. But it's hard being a teenager and, and you just think Dad's never going to die. She wanted to surround herself with her friends, which was a good thing. Her friends were, were great with her and got her through it. But when the moment came that he actually did pass, it was a big shock mm. to her. Yeah. Will was 12 at the time, 12 or 13. So, again, another hard age to deal with. But I think he's finding it a lot harder now. Um, he's 16 at the time. You're in your footy, into your sport. That's the times that you want your dad there. Brad wrote a, a book while he was unwell. It was actually called A Good Egg. A big, gorgeous, smiling photo of him on the front. Um, and inside it, he's written um, about his diagnosis, about his treatment, the changes that he went through. He got to write a letter to each of the children, read a letter to me, um, and it's all in this beautiful book. Will, as I said, he's 16. Brad's been gone three years. And his book sits up in his room, and he, and he actually still hasn't read it. He's read his letter that Brad wrote to him, but it's too hard for him to look at anything else, which makes me really emotional. Yeah. But I know there'll be a time that we can sit down and look at it together and think happy thoughts instead of sad thoughts. Everyone works with grief in very different ways, and it's only time that will help shift some of that. Yeah. What was it like for you in the first couple of years after Brad had passed away? I just wanted to surround myself with kids. I had so many people around me for those two years and doctor's appointments. I just wanted to be with my kids, chill out, watch movies and just focus on them. After about three or four months, I started yearning for something, I guess, and that's when I got together with my friend Amy and we worked on this business plan. It gave me a bit of spark. It gave me, you need to keep busy. If anyone knows me, being up, you know, losing somebody, you just need to keep your mind active. The good egg is a manifestation of, of my grief and my emotions and everything and just threw it into this into this cafe. It was good for my healing, even after opening the doors, meeting the amount of people that come in that have been touched by cancer. 
on one of your Facebook posts, you shared a TEDx talk by author Nora McNerney, I think it is, who stated, we don't move on from grief, we move forward with it. And you agreed to this statement. Could you explain what this means for you? That was a very touching um, thing on on YouTube that I found on Facebook as it was coming through. I don't think, as I said, you never get over losing somebody. It kind of bothers me a little bit when people say you're moving on because I'll never move on from Brad. If Brad was here, I'd still 100% be with him. But there comes a stage where you have to definitely move forward with your life. I'm not moving on from him, but I'm just moving in a different direction. Mm. That's what it's like. When you lose somebody, you have to find something else that gets you through the days and to find a different focus. Brad's definitely always there. My grief is as raw as what it is when I sit down and I let my mind wonder when it's not often because yeah. it, it takes you to a place where you don't want to be. But when you feel that grief again, it's as, as strong as it was at the beginning when he first left. But there's a longer period of time in between those downs. You have to move forward. And just, I just can't let myself go there when, yeah. when things happen as anniversaries, as Christmas, as a stuff that comes on. It always brings back those memories and gets you to that place. But you just have to pick yourself up and, and move forward with it. You've created the good egg, you and Amy initially did, and yes. now you have, a, I guess you'd call it a physical manifestation of Brad in that sense. It's a physical extension of him. That's the way I see it anyway. Do you ever get a sense that he's around a good egg? Always. I think when we first opened, there were a few little things that would happen, like the girls have seen chairs move or a door open. <laughs> I can feel him. I can feel him all around in there. Uh, I reckon not so much over the last six months. But initially, when we first opened, he was definitely there mm. around us all. Really, probably thought I was crazy by doing it, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Not courageous, but crazy, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> By yourself, you've got three kids and you're starting your business. Yay! <laughs> um, but, yeah, he definitely would think that I was crazy for doing it, but he would definitely be proud as well. Oh, I can certainly imagine that. Would you yep. have created the good egg if Brad was still alive? The short answer would probably be no, mm-hmm. um, only because I have ideas all the time going around my head and for years I'm like, oh, we should do this and we should do this and Brad would pull me back down to earth and go, no, we're going to work for somebody else, we're going to work hard and that's how we get ahead. Not in a negative way, he was very good with money and his direction. So that's why he'd be thinking I was crazy. Well, I guess he's more of the conservative risk taker. You're the one that what could yes. you say that you throw caution to the wind? Or? Absolutely. <laughs> the wind I have an educated guess. I'm not as stupid as to think, oh, I'm going to sink all my money into this. And we worked on the business plan and we worked at what's missing. I could just see gaps in the market with things. So it was a very educated guess that this would work. I get so much back from it. I'm not in the business to make a million dollars. Of course, you, you, you need to make money from it. But... It's more than that. We donate 5% of our profits also to brain cancer research, mm-hmm. which was my big thing to give back. So for me, it's, it's a way of life not to make myself a millionaire. I love going to work every day and I love my staff. It's definitely a real special place for me. How, how do you think your life would have been like if Brad was still alive today and you didn't have the good egg? I'd probably still be in real estate. Okay. <laughs> I love real estate. We'd just be working hard. We built a lot of homes. Brad used to work for a builder. Quite simple, but quite fulfilling life, for sure. What have you learnt from your experience? I have learnt that I'm definitely a stronger person 
strength is what you've learnt from the experience. When you have no choice to do anything other, you have to be that person. Brad was always that person for me to look after me. When you come to the point where he couldn't, you have to stand up and, and you have to do it. And what does courage mean to you? Courage is to me throwing caution to the wind and doing what you want to do. Be courageous in life and don't sweat the small stuff because what's worse that can happen? You certainly understand that well. Do, do you think, from what you've gone through, do you think you are courageous? It was definitely a courageous decision to set the good egg up. As I said, I did it initially with um, my business partner. We had this idea. We knew it was going to work. While we were <laughs> going to banks, getting a loan for the business, we proceeded to do it anyhow. I think it was a week before we opened the business, our loan approval finally came through. <laughs> No wonder she was a nervous wreck. Um, <laughs> I think I'd relate to that too. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we just knew that it would work and it would happen. Was there a plan B? Plan B was use my money. Okay. <laughs> so there was so there was a there was a backup. Well, there was a backup. We didn't really want to do it. Yeah, sure. After being rejected by two banks, the third one came through. Does hearing your story, Deb, there are a number of things to consider as far as courage is concerned. Because the byproducts of courage are strength, resilience, you know, to keep going, grit, which is what you've shown as well. You've set something up that you've never set up before. Also being in a partnership takes courage, you know, that's what you're doing in terms of, you know, a business partnership. You also had to work through grief and take care of someone and you've lost someone. You've had a lot to work through and take on over the last few years, to me, you epitomise courage. I guess when you say it like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Don't underestimate what you've done, what you've gone through and what you've achieved, you know, and you're still continually doing it today. That to me is definitely courageous. So keep doing what you're doing and um, thank you, you're welcome. Stay awesome because you are awesome. And thank you so much for being on Courage Unravel today. The Good Egg Cafe is fast becoming an iconic spot in Bustleton for both locals and tourists. If you haven't had the opportunity to visit yet, check it out when you're next in town. Deb just might be on the floor if she hasn't got her manager's cap on. Eating at the cafe will help support brain cancer research. I'm Sana Turnock, your Courage Unraveled host. Until next time.